another podcast of what's happening in education and COVID-19. Uh, today I'm joined by Monice Seward, who is a special education teacher in the state of Georgia. And uh, having my first special education teacher uh, was really important to get a perspective of some of the additional challenges that teachers face with uh, our most vulnerable students. And so Monice shares some of the frustrations that she's having and, and challenges and sort of extra um, extra concern around the fact that she is not able to be in the same space with these um, with with her students and and uh, that's uh, that was definitely my takeaway from this one is how much more important it is for her students uh, and the intimate relationships that she's forged with them um, and the challenges she faced so uh, thank you for uh, again listening and hope you enjoy my conversation with Monice. Welcome to another uh, episode of What's Happening in Education and COVID-19, and I am pleased to be joined by Monice Seward, who is uh, a sixth grade special education teacher in Georgia. Um, Monice is actually the first person I've interviewed that I've never met, at least I don't think I've ever <laughs> um, But uh, at the same time, she, uh, I follow her on Twitter, and, and she comes highly recommended, and uh, I just wanted to hear her story. So Monice, do you want to start with a little introduction? Oh, okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Monice, as Dean said. I am a sixth grade special education teacher. I teach math and science. Um, the students I teach primarily have learning disabilities such as uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. Um, I also have a few students who are on the autism spectrum. Um, so my students' needs are very unique. And this um, situation that we're in right now has really highlighted um, how much room we have to do in our educational system to uh, meet the needs of students that I teach. Yeah, and I, I want to I dive in a little deeper into, the, into that aspect of it too, but uh, before we do, can you just give me, and again, we just chatted before I pressed uh, record around, you know, the, the differences, but generally speaking from either from your your district or the state as a whole, uh, what is the message and what are the expectations of teachers during this COVID uh, crisis? Now, with regard to the SEL directive from the district, there was no mention of that until this past week. And this was our third week. However, our administrative team in our building reiterated, take care of yourselves, check in on your students, check in on your parents, see if anybody needs anything. But again, district wide, it didn't come until the third week. So yeah that's, yeah. yeah, that's bad because when I saw that, I said, okay, so now I really know where the priority was. It wasn't with the needs, of, I mean, it wasn't with the social emotional needs of the students or the staff. It was just trying to get everything ready to go to start that first week of virtual learning. And, you know, that first week I, I had a student send me a message. <laughs> he said, Ms. Seward, do you know when we're going back to school? And it kind of gutted me because I was like, oh, you know, I really didn't have a definitive answer. But at the back of my mind, I knew we're probably not going to go back to school for a few more weeks. But I didn't want to tell the student that. But that message told me that 
that was the primary concern for that student. And I'm sure it was a concern for my other students too. Sure. They they haven't been as active, you know, in in communicating with me. They'll communicate with me like once a week, but like they haven't been as active. But I know that's a concern for my students. And so I just keep. Right. Right. And so, uh, and again, being a special needs teacher and maybe obviously that's, that's the lens, you know, a strong lens that you, uh, you know, view, view student and your students in your work. What are, what are your most, what are you most concerned about with them in particular moving forward? And, you know, you kind of touched on the fact that, you know, that face-to-face experience seems to be perhaps even more important for those students uh, but what are, what are you really most concerned about uh, in terms of the challenges moving forward? Um, well, and I, I often tweet about just, you know, funny things that happen in the classroom. I also tweet about frustrations that happen in the classroom. And one of the things that I've tweeted about the most has been um, the fact that I have a group of girls in my class who were so, so, so quiet and um, reserved and just like really shy at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. And as they got more comfortable with being in middle school, having a new teacher, and as they got comfortable with getting better at math, they really began to blossom and open up. And and I'm, I'm kind of worried because whenever we go back, um, I don't know if those girls are going to start the same way they started with me or if they're going to kind of hold on to some of, the, um, some of the developments and growth they had in my classroom and, and start and they hit the ground running wherever they end up at the beginning of the next school year, wherever that may be, because mm-hmm. What happens to students like mine is that people see they have an IEP and they automatically assume that I'm not going to be able to teach them X, Y, Z. I can teach them A, B, C, but I can't teach them X, Y, Z. They're never going to be able to get there. And that's not the case. The case is often that they need time to develop that relationship um, because they know they're struggling, but they need to feel comfortable right. struggling in front of you as a teacher because they need to know that as a teacher, you're going to be there and you're going to have that patience to continue going over and over and over until they get it. And that's something that I did at the expense of us being like at one point in the first semester, we were about four weeks behind everybody else. But I felt like I had to keep going over the same stuff because I needed everybody to have that basic foundation before I moved on to anything else. But in those four extra weeks that I spent, I was able to get them to experience getting something, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, and, and those are just, I think everybody's feeling some sort of angst around, around mm-hmm. that. And, and again, with our students that are most vulnerable, which is you know, what your, your work has really revolved around, uh, you're going to feel that more than others. Now you mentioned too, just you know, sort of sharing some funny or or light light moments. What I guess 
can you share a light story or, or a feel good story in, in terms of the last couple of weeks, whether it's with other staff or your students or parents or whomever, <laughs> that's just kind of made you smile and said, that, that's, that's the good that, that I see it during this time. Um, I sent all my students a book over the last week and a half. I sent out a book to each of my students with a handwritten note and some candy and some activities from Jared Lerner. And the student got his and he sent me a, a message and he said, thank you for the book. Um, I needed something else to read. And I told him, I said, remember, you can practice Spanish with me on Duolingo if you want to. The book I sent him was... Um, I think it's Marcus Vega doesn't speak Spanish. And I sent it to him because I wanted him to understand that it's okay that you forgot a little bit of your first language. But the the message is that it's so you can always go back and you can learn it again. You know, and that made me smile. It made me smile sure. that he was excited about the book and he's eager to start reading it. Well, and, and just a couple more questions, uh, and I want to come back to that one a bit. But uh, again, more on, more on a lighthearted note, uh, I'm not going to reveal a big secret, but you, you told me you just woke up from a nap, which I completely <laughs> applaud. So, so tell me just something about like what your day, your day looks like. That, and, and, you know, as you sort of go through, you know, this time at home, which for many teachers, most teachers is like, this is just a brand new, bizarre, surreal experience. Any time during the day where you just paused and you said, okay, this is really weird because it's whatever, 1030 in the morning and normally I'm doing this, but now mm -hmm. I'm doing mm -hmm. this. Like what are, did you ever just, have you ever had that moment in the last couple of weeks where it just sort of caught you like, oh, this is very different. My world is very different right now. Every single day. And you know why? Because one, number one, I'm sitting at a computer. I'm not up walking around talking to and interacting with my students, which is what I do. It's really hard. I'm just going to be honest. It's really hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. I had days where I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this on Twitter. I was like, I don't know if I can do this, y'all. And I would just get up and go walk or something. But it's like, how do you take the energy that I had in the classroom and completely and completely try to channel it through an online learning you can't do it no you can't no it, it's it's not possible and i think that's the that's such a big struggle that everybody's going through and again i uh you know not having been a special education teacher i can't obviously speak to you but i can only imagine that um you know the investment that you put in the relationship and you know the energy that you get from being with your students and working through them good and bad right i mean it's not like mm -hmm. everything's always awesome but but that's what you that's what you built your your career life around and having that taken away from you and every other teacher in that situation mm -hmm. is 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 really um you know quite a loss and i again i think i think there's there's degrees of of uh challenge that we all face and everybody's facing it in some way but i just i guess i have a lot more empathy for people that have you know because my guess is too that you know unlike a classroom teacher that has 30 students you don't work with 30 students at a time. And again, that's not to say one is it's just, that's just the nature of your work. Mm -hmm. You have smaller, mm -hmm. you have smaller number of students. So your relationships are that much uh, more intimate if you, if that's, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right word. So no, I'm, I, I, I think you, you really articulated well that, that challenge. Um, and you know what, so, you said something good. You said something really good. You said that um, the energy feeds off of each other. 
I didn't have words for it until you said that. That's exactly why I'm struggling. I don't have my students to interact with me. Because like I said earlier, if I'm teaching and I'm in the room with you, I can tell when I need to go back two steps before right. I can move forward. Because we have that energy in the classroom. I can either look at their faces or they can give me a thumbs up if they got it. They can say, Miss Seward, I don't understand. But now they don't see Miss Seward and I don't see them. So one last question and, and uh, there also is this other conversation that in some cases this is a bit of a wake-up call for you know for lots of different reasons and, and there's lots of things that are being exposed uh, right now whether it's uh, you know inequities are being uh, more exposed than ever or just the way we do school so many things what do you hope you know when we look back at this you know in a couple months or however long it is what do you hope maybe is the good that comes out of this the particularly in regards to education. What are you hopeful that might change for the better? One of the conversations that's going on now is with regard to students with disabilities, whether they have an IEP or a 504 plan, and how these virtual learning setups are not really meeting their needs. And as a special education teacher, I had to just say out loud, but this is not on a level of what I would do in my classroom. I can only do so many accommodations through a virtual learning platform. But there are some parents who are online who are vocal, and I'm grateful for them because I need them to reach more parents because whenever it is that we are ready to go back, I want to make sure that not just those parents, but I need to make sure those students and those teachers of those students with disabilities are involved in these conversations. Because I can tell you one thing, I don't want to sound like I know everything, but I can, I can tell you how to teach for the kids who are on the margins, like the kids who don't have an IEP or a 504 plan. I can tell you what to do to help those kids. But because I am a special education teacher, many people don't see me as a teacher. They see me as a support, um, sometimes as a paraprofessional because I'm not content certified. They don't think that I have enough content knowledge to give them feedback on how to best serve the students who are on the margins or students who are English language learners. So we need, to, we need to rethink how we're having these conversations and we need to rethink who's invited to sit in on these conversations because the things that I'm seeing um, teachers and parents talk about online with regard to virtual learning are things that I do 180 days a year. Mm -hmm. So they are second nature to me. I don't have to think about those things because they are second nature to me. I do them every day. I develop my lesson plans with those things in the back of my mind because that's the first thing I do. Is this going to be accessible for everybody to read? Is this on the right reading level? Do I have enough visuals? Am I going to read it out loud? Am I going to have the computer? Those are things that I ask myself every time. And yeah. I, can look at a, I can look at a learning platform and tell whether it's um, – it's set up to benefit a student who has a visual impairment, a student who may have ADHD. I can look at it and tell. But because we all had to rush and just throw stuff together and throw stuff onto whether it be Google Classroom or whether your district had a specific platform in place and we all were just rushing, scrambling, I can tell 
whether students like mine are being accommodated in other people's classrooms. I know that because that's what I do. Well, it's, you know, and again, I appreciate that perspective because these aren't things that, that, you know, I think about, and that's why I was excited to talk to you and I talk to other people because everybody, everybody's dealing with, um, um, you know, specific situations and challenges. And, and I think, again, uh, that's what I think we all hope that, that this challenging, uh, horrible time in some respects will, will lead to some better conversations and better uh, changes to the way we do school. So I just want to thank you, Manise, for taking time today to chat with me. And, and uh, it was uh, great hearing your perspective. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely.